Hi, this is Anna Fabrega. Humor in the Abject receives generous fiscal sponsorship from CoreCivic. Since 1983, CoreCivic has partnered with governments to provide cost-effective correction centers and detention management facilities. As the nation's largest owner of partnership correctional detention and residential reentry facilities, CoreCivic brings unmatched scale and expertise to tough challenges with innovative solutions that serve the public good. Hi, this is Jeff Rickley, singer of the band Thursday. I once listened to a podcast. It was humor and the abject. After listening to it, I realized the foreman reached its natural conclusion and I never listened to one again. Hi, my name is Adrian Chen and you're listening to Humor and the Abject. Um, I don't know if you know this, but you have a little bit of an onion in your teeth. This is Rachel Hyman coming to you live from Chicago. Maybe you've heard of it. Listen to Humor and the Abject or die. Stay in your seat. This is Chloe Wise, and you're listening to Humor and the Abject, a podcast for people from the Midwest. Hey, it's Brett from Street Fight, the number one anarcho-comedy radio show in any station across the nation. Congratulations to getting to 100, Sean. I hope to see Humor and Abject make it to 200. And the only reason I trust you is because you know what a Myers is. Peace. I'm Peter B.D., and you're listening to Humor and the Abject. A.K.A. the Papa Roach of Podcasts. You shouldn't have been in the paper and draw line somewhere by now. And we can't trust them. And I mean, they go cover something like that. Who knows what else they've covered up? What do you think? I think you don't look particularly healthy. Listening to you talk, your eyes seem kind of brittle rust. Most of the last decade, I spent stone drunk, functional, but hammered. This is Tabitha Nikolai for Humor in the Abject. What's more impressive to me than Sean's 100 episodes is the 100 evidently unique emails he wrote telling each of us exactly what to say, including this right now. That's weird, Sean. Listening to Humor and the Abject, I'm Jennifer Sullivan, and I'm laying in bed, just fucking kicking it on a chill Sunday. Hi there, this is artist Thomas J. Campbell, and I'd like to deliver Humor and the Abject fans a special relaxing treat to celebrate 100 episodes. Here are the lyrics for Give Em The Boot Volume 2, Hellcat Records, 1999. I'm Ebony L. Hayes, and Sean is making me record this for Humor and the Abject. You know what is humorous and abject? The art market. Hey, this is Stephen Marco, and you're listening to the Humor and the Abject podcast. Uh, I went through puberty late, and every time I answered the phone, people thought I was my sister. Andrew Ross here to say, damn, Sean, where'd you find this one? Hey, 
What is up, humor and the abject fans? This is former guest of the show, comedian, host of the special, host of the podcast for laundry, Brett the Rock Davis coming at you. Uh, you know, I know I look like 12 pounds of dog shit in a two-pound bag right now because I was shooting some action sequences all night for the newest installation of the Fast and the Furious franchise, Hobbs and Shaw. And I'm about to go head to the gym, start clanging and banging because I'm hashtag relentless. And you guys have been hashtag relentless because you were celebrating 100 episodes of humor and the abject. You know, we all have a little crazy in us and uh, passion projects are really important. You know, that's why I'm here in Istanbul. Uh, we're having a blast disrupting the norm to deliver something fresh, cool, fun, and badass for the fans. And that's exactly what you guys have been doing out there at Humor and the Abject. So I really want to say congratulations to you and really check out out on Universal Pictures Summer 2019. It's the Outlaw Lawman and the International Spy. They're either going to get along or they're going to get it on. Fuck getting along. <laughs> uh, congratulations. 100 episodes. Humor in the abject. You guys are hashtag badass. Hi, this is Paul John from Endless Editions, and you're listening to Humor in the Abject, the only podcast that is basically a zine. I'm Amelia Gray. Sean trapped me in a pair of AirPods two years ago, and I've been here ever since. Please help me. I'm dying. This is Lux Brown. This episode is brought to you by our latest product, Stonewall, Stonewall. Focaccia Town is making crackers now. There's Stonewall Jackson, Kelly Brown Crackers, Paul Wheat, find them in the bread aisle. Ripping the beef, tearing flesh from bone, I gnash and I scream. This ass cut from stone. On this cold winter's night, I cherish my chode. As we all celebrate, the 100th episode. Who am I? You ask? The seer of sights. The hearer of sounds. The terror of night. I'm out on the timeline. Asking for pics of feet. But I'm alone in my room with the Adobe Creative Suite. I freelance for Satan. I gig for the ghouls. I ride share with demons. I burn down art schools. My patience grows thin. As I shred on the gnar. My children are dead. If they learn the guitar. Buttholes in blenders. Make butthole milkshakes. While the souls of our mothers. Rip bongs and get baked. Violence and fucking. Each box, I will check. Between the body and the other. We find the abject. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast. You 10 times 10, 87 plus 13, 1100 minus 1000, Screedlers. This is Staff Only, the podcast studio manager. Praise the screaming baby banshees in the sky. It is episode 100 of this unholy podcast. Kneel before the swelling of content. There is a tide of media crashing down upon us. You, dear listener, are here. There is no moment like this moment right now. And to celebrate, we have brought back the very guest who appeared first when we brought this podcast to the world. You know her. You love her. Often imitated, never duplicated. It is Darcy Wilder. And I want to be fucking clear that this is not an episode of the DSA podcast that just doesn't have us equally on it. Get a clue. That is simply not a possibility. He is in goddamn Georgia staging a retrospective of his work anyways, so calm the fuck down. 
Thank you for being present. For listening to every single one of the 100 episodes, because that's clearly what everyone has done. Has this intro been long enough? Who can say? Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 100 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. Hello. Thank you for calling the Humor and the Abject studio. No one is around to take your call. But if you leave your name, telephone number, the time of your call, and a brief message after the beep, someone will get back to you as soon as possible. Hi, Sean. Hi, Darcy. I hope you guys are having fun on the pod without me. This is not an episode of the DSA podcast. I feel like Staffenly made that plenty clear during the introduction, but Ezekiel will be back soon for a big-ass tour of shows he's been doing from Mexico City to Savannah. And in no time at all, you'll get your fix of the three of us talking trash and acting crypto-fash. I'm joking, none of us is a fascist. Except maybe today's guest, Darcy Mussolini Wilder. Need I introduce Darcy to you? Probably not. But if by some chance you aren't familiar, Darcy, of course, co-hosts the DSA podcast with me and Ezekiel, and she's also a brilliant writer and better than you at Twitter. Her debut novel, Literally Show Me a Healthy Person, is available, and it's a wonderful, deeply unsettling, and scarily funny read. If you don't own it already, check the link in the episode description to purchase your copy today. And while you're at it, sign up for her weekly email, Sentences, which we'll talk about a bit on this week's episode. It's pretty amazing to be at episode 100 of this thing. I've gotten to talk to so many people that I admire over the last uh, almost two years. I've gotten to record in a lot of places too, like the Kickstarter audio booth where the show began, to my kitchen table in Bushwick, to the inside of one of Richard Serra's torqued ellipses at Dia Beacon, to a watch showroom, to the Nada Art Fair, a cavernous Philly studio, and my present home here in Austin, Texas. In the introduction, you heard just a fraction of the incredible guests that I've had on the show. And you're going to hear a few more making cameos as we go through the episode today. I'd be lying if I said that this wasn't kind of an emotional affair. Humor in the Abject started out as a class almost five years ago at the Bruce High Quality Foundation University. And it's been my primary output, or at least the output that I'm the happiest with in various forms since that time. To all of you who listen out there, whether it's every single week or just when you see a guest whose name you recognize... Thank you so, so much. I do hope that you can tell how much I care about making these when you listen. And to all the previous guests, if you're listening, I hope you've enjoyed the sound collages that I've cooked up for each of you. It's the least that I can do for spending the time talking with me. I've been fortunate to receive a residency from Kickstarter and a NetArt grant from Rhizome for this little project. Shout out to both of them. And to the people who back Humor in the Abject on Patreon, Uh, You help me justify buying new equipment and periodically allow me to justify at least very, very partially traveling to record in new places. So if you like listening to Humor in the Abject, 
you can show your support for just three bucks a month. It's like one ATM fee, but you're showing love for four plus hours. Uh, some Patreon exclusive, mind you, of material every single month. Should you wish to send your congratulations along for hitting episode 100, do so at patreon.com slash humor in the abject. I'm not kidding. It makes my day when somebody signs up. It means a lot to see people uh, believing in the thing. And, you know, the uh, it's not a lot of money, but it, it helps. It's a vote of confidence. Um, okay. This has been a fantastically self-indulgent introduction to episode number 100. So I think I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for tuning in and believing in the show. Here's my conversation with Darcy Wilder. Darcinigan Wilderus, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Oh Thanks God. for joining me. Thanks for having you, me, Sean. Do you remember what that's from? What is it? Dar- <laughs> Darcinigan Dar- Wilderus. Is it? F- no, wait. It's your Game of Thrones name. Oh, that that's I it. I decided. Yeah. I, for some reason, flashed back to a roast of... Bryce? A roast birthday party, yeah. The roast of Bryce, where you that wrote like fun. a gawker. No, it was a the roast of Bryce. <laughs> yeah, there was a gawker something article about what it was like to work at Vice, but I rewrote it about Bryce, and it was just uh, what it's like to be friends with Bryce, and it was like an abusive relationship that didn't have <laughs> like a two way street. <laughs> uh but anyways darcy wilder is back thank you for joining me how does it feel to return to the pod 99 episodes later um it's been a real long time since i've seen you and i'm just glad that we can reconnect yeah we're uh, operating i mean the dsa podcast is a different podcast so you haven't been on this podcast i literally don't know what that is 99 (laughs) episodes yeah I'm, i'm finally back yeah, I with, really. Pre- am I the first guest to do a return? Up? No, no. Anna Fabrega. Yeah, Lorelai Ramirez has been back. Um, what's new with you this week? This week, uh, what is it? Is it the third week of February? Yeah, it's. Is well, it? It's later. So we're. I keep on. I still keep on writing tweets saying it's 2018. Oh um, God, I keep on, on saying it's 2018, and mm. and I'm still. Is that a checkbook joke? It's. It's the update, but it is true. I actually did do that, okay. and I had to. I, it's, uh, but what I'm reading and writing, and um, I keep on buying cheap, ill-fitting denim from thrift stores, like jeans or all types of yeah, denim, just jeans. And then I go to Urban Outfitters, and then I see how much they're selling the jeans for. And yeah. it's usually 10 times the price. Are they, wait, are these, you're finding thrift jeans that were originally in Urban Outfitters? No, no, no. I'll oh, you're get, just comparing denim in general. I go in and I see how much of a deal I got going to the For other place. For just like square inches of denim. Well, it's a jean. It's a, So they're Levi's. They're Levi's. I've been buying cheap Levi's got and it. then gloating <laughs> mm-hmm. when I see other, uh, you know, non-thrift stores selling the same piece of jeans. Right. I don't have a lot going on. It's fine. I mean, you could, it's interesting though, you know, Levi's Denim, that's a, it's a San Francisco company originally, right? Like the first kind of disruptors <laughs> oh, yeah. 
in that area, you know, bringing a new gene to the market, a new pant entirely with brass rivets. You could say they were the first startup, the first American startup. Surely, yeah, definitely, 100%. Was the American Revolution a Come on. The first disruption? The, of, no. <laughs> I think it was modeled on other ones. So it's sort of, it's probably the first American one, yeah. Um speaking of Silicon Valley. Yeah. This is what happens when you work to change things and first they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. I read the bad book the bad bad bo- okay, no, I listened to the bad blood audiobook. Okay. Because I Theranos? couldn't focus. Is that the Theranos? Theranos, Elizabeth okay. Holmes. How was it? Uh, it was fine. It was good. It was. I recommend it. Is it um, it's not written by Elizabeth Holmes. No, it's not I like would an autobiography. Love Elizabeth Holmes, how I did it. It's like the. It's like. Oh, the, she should do an O.J. Simpson type. How I did it. If I had started a bogus blood. Yeah. Treatment company. Had I had known I, it was bogus. Were it? Yeah. Were were was the technology? But then non- I take useful. these. Well, maybe you want to bleep it out. I don't know if you want to have that product placement but i take vitamins that are startup vitamins okay and i feel so fucking above like you know i'm just like oh i would never have fallen from that blood scam or whatever and then i walk over to my dresser and take two startup vitamins and i'm like i guess it's fine are they called that no it's they're no they're called the they're a multivitamin the that a startup makes. It's like the wing of vitamins. It is the wing of vitamins. Their advertising is the same. They should. Another, I can't go anywhere. I can't go on any podcast without mentioning the wing. Talking about the wing? The Soho location opened up the fourth floor and the couches are very cozy. Did Elizabeth Holmes ever visit the wing? I don't think so. I think that her company probably bankrupted before <laughs> whatever. She also was not. Oh, there's a great part in the book where. Um, so just as. So I guess the whole thing. Give me that. Yeah. Like let's let's zoom primer. back just a little bit here. Tell me because I have like a superficial understanding of Theranos and this. The first self-made woman billionaire Silicon Valley disruptor started a a medical tech company that was going to test blood? Yeah. What is the deal? Tell me the, yeah, so tell me like, the scope. All right. So Silicon Valley, they're all about dropouts and people Fuck, bullshitting yeah. their way, whatever. And Elizabeth Holmes was like, sounds great. I mm. choose medicine. Yeah. You know, like the one, or it's like not <laughs> the, the one. one thing that actually had, that has like metrics you, by which you can yeah. <laughs> measure the efficacy. Sure. You can measure the efficacy mm-hmm. and it's people's lives. Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she takes like a semester or two and she's like, hey, I figured out something about blood. And this professor is like, no, you didn't. And then cool. she's like, yes, I did. And she <laughs> keeps going with it and drops out and <laughs> takes all her parents' money. And I think that she just deluded herself or something, but, uh, and then she just keeps Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. And then there's this other dude, she starts dating this guy, 20 years, but like 20 years older than her, who seems like he's like full of shit, but, um, yeah, she's just this big dummy and she just keeps, and then she, you know, she she changed her voice, which is like the big thing about her. She changed her voice? she um she speaks in a fake voice wait the like really deep voice thing is fake her voice her deep baritone voice was that fake too according to uh, my sources uh, it was uh, an employee 
who joined the company in 2011, uh, had a meeting with her shortly after he joined, and um, it was late in the day, and, and uh, they were finishing up the meeting, and uh, she sort of um, expressed her excitement that he had recently joined, and as she got up, she forgot to put on the baritone and slipped back into a more natural-sounding young woman's voice. Was everything about Elizabeth Holmes a fraud? A lot of it was a lie. Yeah, you didn't know? No, she I just heard that. She put it on. What does she normally sound like? She just sounded like... Like anybody? I, if you Google it, I think she slips into it on a podcast, but it's really for only like a few seconds. Uh-huh. Um, I got a little tinge of anxiety because sometimes people say my voice changes, but it's not intentional and it's just, uh, what's it, anxiety. Okay. Uh, but she like woke up and she was like, oh, you know, like she <laughs> like internalized whatever. The, she was like, no, it'll take me seriously as a woman. But she had already started pitching. So there's someone that's like, yeah, she just sounded like a normal undergraduate woman. And then when she started like Theranos, she started speaking like in this fake whatever she 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 slipped into it on a podcast that's on like reddit or whatever and then also one of her employees says that she forgot to put on the voice in a meeting no it hasn't well if i use traditional words to describe what we're doing it's hard because people then associate it with conventional processes for analyzing drugs and development or whatever aspects we may be applying our technology to but no, it hasn't. Well, if I use traditional words. <laughs> um, what other? Oh, but so just as the reporting and they like she hired this like wild bananas lawyer mm-hmm. who represented Al Gore during the recount. Boyce. Doesn't seem like he's a very good lawyer. Yeah. He's so he's known for failure. <laughs> Which is uh, huge in Silicon Valley, though. I mean, And you have Weinstein. To, what? He, he rep- also represented Weinstein recently, so it's just it's like, like what a how is he known? <laughs> yeah, now I'm so scared for sh- like I'm like am I? T- I don't think I'm speaking in a fake voice, but I I'm like I, I have this I think is... I'm being gaslit by the bad blood uh-huh. book. You've sounded like you sound right now since I've met you. So okay. I mean, it's a pretty long consistent thing yeah. if you're doing if it's a put on we've known each other years well so what is what's like the premise of this book like what the book just tells us about the rise and the fall yeah it's written by the guy that started reporting on it and because of his reporting the investors found out that it was like bullshit mm. oh but there's so he's this great a narc me- yeah so this which i guess literal is, narc. i guess it's fine because it's a health thing like the pe- actual like working people could get swindled. Like I saw a thing about a woman who yeah. they, they oh, said, no. oh, your breast cancer's returned based on like a test. That was one exhibit where I was like, oh, this has actual repercussions. So it's fine to narc on yeah, these people. Like people would have died. They already might have missed. I- so like the thing is just it's a finger prick blood or it was a finger prick blood test and the actual machine didn't work. But also you can't be testing blood in your fingers for uh the diseases that they were because mm. it's just like the capillaries or it's just like it gets uh contaminated with other stuff it's just like not you want like a robust amount of blood yeah you want a lot more and also it gets contaminated by the capillaries or something like that where it's okay. like you don't get yeah you don't get that hearty juicy blood stuff mm-hmm. what i don't not know not enough not enough hemoglobin That's i would imagine sure 
Sounds like Kima. something that would be part yeah. of it. And so uh, people would like they would just get wild. So if they were like a common thing, I think was like testing blood clot stuff and mm-hmm. if you d- and then so they would get wildly inaccurate readings <laughs> and if they went by them luckily no one b- really f- like no one was like sure let's take this at its face value or whatever uh-huh. so they would either get a drug that made their blood clot a lot or not at all like it, it would just be like oh so he's bleeding <laughs> out because <laughs> sounds so, awesome yeah so like on like everyone is like Everyone loves talking about how they like support scammers and love scanners or scammers. This or whatever. is an example of when you should and not it, be yeah, supporting. Yeah, it is like <laughs> people are dying, Kim. Yeah, no, this. <laughs> it's I like mean, this isn't Anna Delvey. Yeah, scamming I mean, out. swindling rich people is great, but swindling yeah. the general public who already can't afford healthcare. No, I mean, it's it, maybe that's partially why people are so fixated on this as kind of like a narrative. Is it's it's got the kind of initial appeal of. Everybody likes the idea of the long con and like the scammer and these kinds of things. But then you also you also get to hate that person deeply because they could have killed one of your family members through yeah. their like ineptitude or I mean I don't even that's one of those things where I don't even know is it like self delusion or just are you like, Well, this has gone too fucking far and I have too much money to give this up. Yeah. Keep- <laughs> that's what that's like the question that I don't think they ever answer because she also doesn't give interviews. Huh. But yet she's oh so she gives depositions though i bet yeah Yeah. that's a great the ultimate interview girl boss slogan (laughs) i I don't do interviews (laughs) i do depositions (laughs) but there's also once like the reporting came out and everyone was beginning to realize that she was full of shit yeah she decided that she should um give an interview about how she was sexually assaulted in college okay. and it was like why oh, no, oh, no, like oh, no, oh, no. no and everyone was like don't do it don't do it and i think she did it that's oh uh, <laughs> it was like what are you <laughs> it's like the mm, mm, it's like the isn't that kind of like the brian singer i mean it's yeah, not yeah, it's, yeah. it's apples and oranges but it's the like throw a roadblock in that has to do with like a certain kind of I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I forget. I'm not articulating this well, but it's like, or like saying, oh, the, Brian um, Singer saying, well, everyone is homophobic. And it's like, well, no, you're a creep. It's not, it yeah. doesn't matter. Or like the Kevin Spacey where he, mm-hmm. he was like, yes, it is true. I am gay. And it was what like, we were. What was that video that he put out? I know what you want. Oh, sure. They may have tried to separate us, but what we have is too strong. It's too powerful. I mean, after all, we shared everything you and I. I told you my deepest, darkest secrets. I showed you exactly what people are capable of. I shocked you with my honesty, but mostly I challenged you and made you think. And you trusted me, even though you knew you shouldn't. That like happened and then just kind of, I feel like people were like, wow, he's so weird. This is fucked up. Why would he do that? It just kind of, I feel like it happened maybe over like, the holidays so it kind of yeah. fell under the red but that was the d- the it's depth like, of the you... depravity of that of yeah. cosplaying because you're not oh you're not acting because you got fired from the job you're not the character yeah. anymore you're cosplaying a character that a... you used to be yeah <laughs> oh, <laughs> you went from 
being that character yeah. to you have been demoted yeah. <laughs> it's like that meme where it's like you're fired you have been like it's the expanding brain meme mm-hmm. and it's like you know we have to let you go you no longer work here mm-hmm. you're fired and the last one is you have been promoted to customer <laughs> <laughs> but also i'm also so i started listening to the audiobook of the david graber bullshit jobs this links in um yeah. Because of uh, sorry, listeners who have to, yeah. Oh man, mm-hmm. but you know, like the bullshit jobs where it's a bunch of red tape and it's pretty much all to keep up appearances, and how you know corporations or um, unjust governments just have yes men that mm. serve. Their one job is to like, you know, serve like appease the person's delusions about how important the work is or whatever. Yeah, so it'll be like. I don't know, whatever dictator, and it's be like, oh no, the people they need you or whatever. And in yeah. like a corporate setting, it's like, no, uh, you know, the Dunder Mifflin paper is important, and it's like, yeah, oh yeah. really? Yeah. But so I guess that might be. So that's what I've been doing: listening to audiobooks and playing Tetris. Is she going to jail? Is it I or is suspect. it like? Is it a? I guess it probably hasn't huh. been decided. The legal system, it takes years, doesn't it? It is its own Kafka-esque kind it of... It is its own... Filled with uh, filled with bullshit no. jobs like stenographer, bailiff... Oh, yeah, there's still a stenographer. Juror. Juror. <laughs> Courtroom wanna... sketch artist. I did, so... When did you last do I... jury duty? I feel like I everyone went... in New York has jury duty every seven minutes. I got called I... for it. How many times were you called for... How long did you live in New York and how many times were you called for jury duty? Mm, I was in New York for five years. I was called for jury duty once and I really (laughs) couldn't... I really couldn't do it because I already had... It was during the winter holidays and I had bought plane tickets to see my family and I really was going to leave like the morning after I was supposed to report and it just probably wouldn't have worked. So that time I was allowed to request um, six months into the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they contacting me again um i had been selected for a grand jury uh which felt i mean i felt like i was getting a lot of attention which i like um it sounded more sounded more a grand the grandest juror sean is grand (laughs) a promotion i went back um and i honestly i mean this is a thing where i I've come around as an adult to thinking like this. It's actually like, I think it's very important to serve on a jury, especially if you're like politically left, like it's very good to do it um, because there are people who aren't getting a fair shake, blah, 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 whatever. But of course the time that the jury thing was going to happen, I was going upstate to beacon to like teach my teens and I was going to be there all week for like five weeks. I was, I had a room that I was renting up there. So I was actually like moving, um, and so I didn't get selected, but I got funneled off to another jury, a regular jury, which felt like I was, you know, promoted to customer. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I didn't end up getting selected for that. They kind of ran out of time the day and let me go. But so, sev- I mean, I had a lot of interaction with it in the limited time that I was there. Hey, this is Amy Zimmer here for Humor and the Abject celebrating over 300 years of podcasting. Sean, thank you so much for your contributions. Without men like you in the podcast game, I don't think podcasts would exist at all. So 
I thank you for your support and your love, and I'm always wishing you the best. Thanks so much. Bye. This is Joshua Citarella, and you're listening to Humor in the Abject. Because we live in a society. What's that? You know, I'm something of an environmentalist myself. Apart from wrapping up the central storyline, this episode had a variety of great scenes packed with so much emotion. Watching Roland go on the absolute warpath in a bar full of roughnecks was absolutely incredible. It was a pretty brutal fight scene with a lot of damage on both sides, but the best part was seeing him in the parking lot afterwards, drunk off his ass, covered in bruises and lacerations, befriending a stray dog, and then just weeping uncontrollably. It about broke my heart. You've been a New Yorker your whole life. Yeah. Have you been summoned I've like been... a thousand times? I've been called once. Once. And so a little background on me that I've probably said before is my parents met in the Manhattan criminal courthouse when my dad worked in the DA's office and my mom worked for special narcotics. A couple of bullshit jobs. A couple of, couple of, a couple of, uh, narc, literal narcs, (laughs) literal narcs, uh, my parents and... My grandpa was also a lawyer, but not nearly not a bananas person. I don't know what he he's. People in my family mention how he often he sued people. He <laughs> sued a department store in the Bronx for selling irregular pajamas that were on sale for being irregular. It mm. was, uh, I think, two dollar pajamas that he sued for, and mm. it's just anyway. So just like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm from a family of insane lawyers, um, yeah. <laughs> and also not like, not like well-to-do lawyers. It's just like, like you John, know, like John Turturro's character in The Night of. I don't know. If I've you never saw seen, but I'll okay. go along with just it. Just like a, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's. I think there's. Yeah, there's a there's a spectrum. Of, yeah. Like class, and I don't simply mean like socioeconomic class. I mean like. There's a class spectrum of lawyers, <laughs> both in terms well, of position, yeah. respectability, dress code. And so it's uh, like, I'll say my parents were lawyers and people will assume that I like grew up in Tribeca or some shit. And it's like, no, middle class, whatever. And so when I told my dad I had jury duty, he was like, he his quote was, only an idiot would put you on a jury. Okay. Um, because of that, I guess they don't want anyone. Like, oh, because they ask if your family. Do you have family members who are yeah. police officers, or and, uh, uh, do you have family members who are jurors? Do you have? Are <laughs> you? you are you a person of juror? Are you a person of jury? Yes. Um. Oh, so I really wanted to get called though, even though the job I had it wasn't MTV. It was a job before that. Was like before you were kind. I'm glad that you made sure to yeah, mention that. It's important just, that we set a, the record. That I you just did want work at MTV, and I, I just want to clear their name. I don't want to be accused of. Uh, Are they closing down that whole video thing that they pivoted to? I heard that they signed someone at your door. I had a package coming. <laughs> Do you need to get it? I don't think so. I think they just put the package down and rang the bell. I could do an unboxing of my new water bottle, but do I don't you, think. Do you want to get but it out of the hallway okay. though? Is yeah, it I'll make be right back. Anxious? Okay.
Anyway, so when I walked into jury duty, mm-hmm. uh, I, was I, gonna, saw... I was just about to ask what the fuck we were talking about because I <laughs> I live tweeted it. <laughs> well, I've been no. excited. I live tweeted my jury duty experience. Uh, um, I and I walked in. I you sat be down. For that, I feel like that's. Uh, co- I guess they don't say not it to may, do not it. Not in but... not in Obama's America, but in mm. Trump's America, it's probably a different story. But this guy from college, um, this guy. I went on a date with this dude um, and it was a whole thing. It was a lot of drama and his best friend was sitting two or three rows in front of me. And then my dad, I texted my dad and he was like, I'll be right there. Um, and he had been, he was just like two floors above. Uh-huh. Like he just happened to be in the building. So then I was just hanging out with my dad and then um, it was a medical malpractice suit. And for some reason they didn't want to pick me. Huh. Well, I also told them that like people in my family have died because of medical malpractice and they were like, it doesn't seem like a great fit. This ties in nicely to the Theranos kind of interest that you have. It's sort of a, a bit of a full circle, oh, yeah. like why you're, you know, why you have the inquisitive mind to kind of investigate the Elizabeth Holmes story. I feel very passionate about. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about another passion that you have lately. Um and that's something that I actually really do look forward to in my inbox every week, which is this new Ooh. series that you've been doing called Sentences. <gasps> and could you talk a little bit about what Sentences is all about yes. and how you ended up creating what I guess I would call oblique bibliographies? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Sean. You can First, uh, I use always that forget. As a, as a, what's it called? A blurb. Oh, I will use that as a blurb. Um, I keep on forgetting that I do it. Honestly, people are like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I play Tetris. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I started sentences. Leia Garcia actually might be the genius behind it because I just tweeted a few months ago. I tweeted a list of sentences. I was just reading stuff online as I'm wont to do. And I just kept on stumbling upon these sentences that were bananas and so I tweeted a list of them mm-hmm. and I was like, these are some sentences I like to read. And then Leia was like, I would read a newsletter. And I was like, <gasps> and I think it's like a common thing. Um, I'm a big fan. Well, I'm no longer a big fan of Twitter, but I've always been really into it. Sure. Yeah. Um, There's like yeah. the, the blah, 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 out of context accounts and stuff where it yanks. Yeah. From it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Just these like, non sequiturs but not for non sequiturs sake like they're really good like i don't know it's just like these words that drift through whatever and i think turns of phrases and sentences are great and so i remember also whenever i've had like an office job i've especially i worked with julia panic and we would just find like wild stuff online and send sentences that were really great. Like I remember hmm. I've put them in this last week's, which um, I sent when I was very sleepy. So I feel like I could have done a better job, but um, it's like it, uh, you know, when the groundhog dot, when, when the mayor killed the groundhog, when Bill de Blasio killed a groundhog. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Groundhog murderer. And I then know about also, that because of you. I just want to, Oh, I'm so glad that I can, I'm just, it's the truth. It's not even like you have to prove that it's true, that it happened. Like, it happened on the record. Mayor Bill de Blasio dropped a groundhog at the Staten Island Zoo's annual Groundhog Day ceremony in February, and the Wall Street Journal was there. The animal squirmed out of the mayor's grip in front of dozens of shocked school children. 
A week later, the rodent died of internal injuries, according to zookeepers. But that death was not made public until a report in Thursday's New York Post, sparking outrage across the internet. What a loser. Yeah. <coughs> and, it, and he's still our mayor. Uh, and he wanted to bring anyway. So uh, also there's like the Gramercy Park key holder. There were just these wild lines and yeah. also just like I like I miss the part of Twitter where it would be about sentences and about these like, you know, kind of well-crafted jokes and I don't know, like that. And now Twitter is something different. And you know how like a lot of people have pivoted to just tweet about politics in mm-hmm. a way that I don't think like maybe doesn't really help anyone. No, um, and, it, and it's pr- I mean of course it's important to be politically engaged but it's there's oh, yeah. a kind of a, there's a pretty transparent like content pivot to some people's yeah. profiles where you're just like well, this is yeah. this is ultimately self you're clawing at like opening a door towards a media career is what it appears yes. to me like trump doing. reply guys where it's like i don't think replying <laughs> to trump's tweets does anything like so that's what i mean um i think that like obviously like there's some good that people are doing on it but i miss that part where it's just like these i also like so basically uh i read things online sometimes people send me stuff which is which is tight um but i was like already looking for you know just there's no weird place on the internet anymore and so just like trying to find stuff that is not my rule is that no click hole and no onion stuff, like nothing that's like, tr- like no parodies. Right. But things that, you know, like organically occurring, like I'll use articles on like the cut. Yeah. And there was one that was like a pair. It was like a, a parody of um like mommy bloggers, but for like the 1400s. Um, but I thought that that was applicable. But nothing like if I did like the onion or click hole, that's all it would be. Right. So I think it's cool to find like moments like reading a newspaper or like when you're reading a book and then you uh, are like someone else is in the room and you read them a part out of it where it's just like a really good mm-hmm. nugget. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what, and I, I think that the new I hope that the newsletter is not reflective of like me. I just want to like like i after doing my book that was like very much about me or my life and having a twitter account that's devoted to tweeting my thoughts i don't want to do work that is about me or reflect you know it's just like yeah it's more editorial i think something that's cool about it is that some of the examples i feel like they're it's really beautiful or interesting writing or a writer who's very clever and there's a fun turn of phrase and then sometimes uh it's perhaps not intended to be as funny as it is if that makes sense like it runs like a nice little gamut and i think that i guess the reason that it appeals to me is it's kind of like this it started out i remember or one of the whenever i signed up like one of the earliest ones i got which is maybe like november i feel like was like only about 20 and now there was like at least a couple ones ago, there's like almost a hundred or 80, something like that. And the thing that I like about it though, is that it's a bit of an inverse of, I guess, clickbait headline kind of stuff, which 
sort of they make oh. the rounds in that you don't have to actually read the content because the headline is meant to tell you exactly what you're supposed to feel or the headline is generated in a capacity to drive clicks or to drive sharing because it allows for confirmation bias like whatever i assume whatever oh, yeah. i want to read out of the headline is there there's something kind of weird and disembodied about the sentences that you're pulling out where it's kind of fun it's like this scavenger hunt where and, and you have a link there so of course somebody can go but this trying to guess what that might be yeah from. and sometimes the articles are i can kind of tell by context clues like oh this is about this thing that everybody's kind of talking about this week and then other ones it's just sort of like what the fuck is referenced to? <laughs> and then That's you so nice can click hear. through and go find it and it's just um i don't know it just feels like like a, this sounds so fucking stupid i regret even <laughs> beginning to say it, but it's it's like a slower version of the internet or something like there's oh. or there's like a it's identifying these things that are happening and allowing other people to go look at them but in a really different sort of way thank you no that's like really nice to hear because that's my goal where it's like and the things that i think about when i'm doing it and then i'm not and then like whether or not in the beginning i would mix them up so that they would be more out of like but then i kind of stopped doing that the last one i had a bunch of stuff about carl lagerfeld's cat Mm. and i think i put in too many but whatever i was very (laughs) sleepy but and so they kind of built on each other whatever which actually is kind of does remind me of my book where it's just like disembodied thoughts that were like culled together and then i realized like there was a gwyneth paltrow quote and it said paltrow and i just put you know gwyneth in little brackets and it's like oh yeah that's that would just solve the issue of like knowing that it's Gwyneth Paltrow without changing the actual thing. So yeah, I think language is important. Is like a part of it. I think the first one I sent had eight sentences. Oh wow. And I think it could be too many and I don't want to overwhelm people, but then I'm also like, then don't read it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, a, I kept so it's many a, cats. It's a, vo- it's a voluntary uh, yeah. newsletter that you can, uh, you both have to opt in to sign up for. And then you yeah. choose to open it. So I, I wouldn't and stress also, too much about that. It's not like a novel where people want to finish it. And if the middle part lags on, it's really like an hors d'oeuvres thing. So that's what I was thinking, where I just try not to be too precious. But I also try not to be, uh, try to keep up, have sentences that are up to snuff. So basically the whole week especially if I'm just feeling like if I don't want to do other work, just have this document that's logging them and logging stuff that I come across. And then I'll cut them where I'm like, eh, this isn't, this isn't really for whatever, but it's really like a Dada collage kind of thing. And it's just a, to me, it seems like a more fun way to take a, a snapshot of like what's zeitgeisty at a given time that could be reflected on years from now if somebody looked back on them whether or not not to get a long term about it but whether or not you're even doing it you could sort of look back on one from you know february of 2019 and even though those sentences don't necessarily uh they're not like in you know a collection of headlines or something something about them still will say something about the time which is kind of fun even though they're yanked out as if to seem like arbitrary snippets or something like that like i remember the first one that i did was um a line about mark zuckerberg's listening tour 
And then when that um, that guy was killed for trying to go to an island, the mercenary or whatever missionary missionary that's, that's it. a big well no well Different. they're they're i yeah. was like what's the position it's good, called it's a good freudian slip though you could sort of kind of like whoops. a <laughs> whoops whoops um a mission uh, a mercenary in a different way but um yeah, but. yeah I, I also think that people on twitter do stuff where it's like they'll just find lines in an article that they like and want to share mm-hmm. i think it's cool that people want to share sentence anyway but yeah i like it sometimes i'll read something and we'll like a sentence and i'll be like oh i have to share this with someone and then i'll realize i'll remember that i have the newsletter and i'm like great hell yeah well speaking of language it's time for a new game this is called better take than never uh so this is (laughs) this game is retroactively generating social media clicks as if you worked at vice so Darcy, uh, the rules yeah. are, uh, I'll read you a past newsworthy event, and okay. you tell me your hottest take that would drive traffic to vice.com. Um, Ooh. I'll give you some... I feel like I've been paid for a version of this. Sure, yeah. So now you're going to do it for free. Um, so <laughs> some other some other things to consider. You can ask me uh, the year that the event took place. Uh, that sometimes okay. is helpful. And I'm also able to provide some general context in addition to the news bit. If it's something that you're not super familiar with or you have some other questions, I'll answer those to the best of my ability. Um, you may not use contemporary knowledge to strategize your take. So you must generate Ooh. a hot take that would have occurred to you at the time of the event itself. Okay. You can't I love use, this already. You can't use kind of current knowledge. Um, bonus points for linking it to any other chronologically relevant events that would make your take even hotter. So if there's something else that was happening at that time that you could kind of cross-reference, that's that's even better. Um, for the purpose uh, of this game's universe, uh, regardless of the year that the event took place, you should operate as if Vice exists as it does now, a multinational media corporation, warts and all, with a variety of verticals related to various areas of culture. Um, you may also, uh, you know, for even more bonus points, incorporate your hot take proposal into one of said verticals, i.e. munchies, noisy, broadly, motherboard ID, etc. Um, so d- does the game seem clear? Um, I th- Any think questions? so. Okay. Uh, I think it'll clear up once I... Once I jump in. Okay. Welcome, Darcy Wilder, to Better Take Than Never, uh, which is uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a good pun. Ah! Uh, okay. Your first your first news item. Uh, so let me know what, what take you're going to have in order to drive traffic. Um, so I I come up with the take, like the angle. Yeah. Kind of what you would, what are you going to propose to your editor's advice to get to Great. drive traffic? As someone who has just recently published on Broadway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, youth clothing leader American Apparel reblogs an image of the Challenger explosion on its Tumblr on the 4th of July, adding the hashtags <sighs> smoke and clouds uh, when the appropriateness of using the image of five American astronauts, a payload specialist, and a civilian school teacher dying live on national television in 1986. American Apparel points to a millennial social media intern who mistakenly reblogged the post uh, as they were not alive in 1986 and were unaware of the tragedy. So your editors need you to come up with an angle for a piece about this. Wait, I have a question. So these things happened? What? 
Did that? Are yes. You... Oh, that happened. Yeah, in 2014. Oh, hoo hoo. These are all real. Okay. These are. This is real news. This is not. No not, fake news. We're not okay. playing that game. All, all of right. this news exists in the real world. So, how are you gonna? What are you gonna write about? You got to get people. You're covering this story, but what's your angle? Um, I think. Uh, was the challenger the first 9-11 how millennials cope with uh was 9-11 appropriating the challenger mm-hmm, explosion mm-hmm. uh did gen xers do it like are millennials appropriating gen xers trauma um or are gen xers um trying to one-up millennials by saying that the challenger was so um right right ooh i like that am no, i going good. some yeah, yeah yeah no i see what you're saying here to sort of say it would say, be about like, appropriation it's, and then it would be gen x versus millennial it's rude for people to even say that the challenger explosion was like a trauma when millennials yeah. saw 911 on national tele- right it's As, like a because no pales, other generation pales saw in comparison 9/11. well not with fresh eyes <laughs> <laughs> Every all the other generations prepared for 9/11 through the challenger. the challenger. Yeah, it was a bit of a yeah. okay. Yeah, no, that's also how hmm. much do we respect our nation's teachers? Mm-hmm. Now here, there I'm gonna was throw, a teacher on the challenge. Yeah, I'm going to throw a little curveball in here. Uh, during 2014, I, I'm going to make a guess here, but American Apparel was um, probably a pretty a pretty big underwriter of Vice in terms of of oh, advertising yeah. dollars. So. Um, does that affect your writing? Do you get in an argument with your editor because you want to do a different take, but they're kind of driving you towards this, what sounds ultimately to me like a, a major distraction from the actual snafu, which is you're trying to pit Gen Xers and Millennials against each other because think... of like a poser 9-11 in the Challenger Yeah, the Challenger was people who died in the Challenger were posers who were trying too hard. Um, I (laughs) think my editor. (laughs) I think my editor would be into it because I would be grossly uh, misinterpreting the idea of appropriation. (laughs) Yeah, and also completely distracting from. What was clearly a paid social media person's job. Sure. And um, I think 2014, like the cultural appropriation conversation was pretty new. So again, because you're not allowed to operate with contemporary knowledge, I think it's a, yeah. it's a legitimate take to sort of yeah. misunderstand that. Someone who does not under, like someone yeah. writing about intersectionality mm. who is very confused. Yes. Yes. Okay. When the plane intersected with Tower 2. Yeah, I just want to be clear that I am uh, trying to be a worse writer and thinker for this. <laughs> okay. I, uh. <laughs> it's because I would be writing for Vice. Uh-huh. No. Okay. And, okay. Okay, here's, no here's one. And you actually, um, I learned about this because of you. So, oh, no. Uh, to prevent oh, no. it from winding up on eBay, American horror novelist Stephen King's lawyer and two others purchased the van that struck King while walking <laughs> on a main highway. Two years later, during an appearance on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, King expressed disappointment that the van had ultimately been crushed in an auto yard as he'd wanted to host a charity event where attendees could donate to a cause uh, and then get the opportunity to smash the van with sledgehammers. So 
how are you you've got to cook up an article by five to get people over here to vice.com what's the angle oh I have it. <laughs> Wait, what year are we in? Uh, 2001 is the year that the Terry Gross uh, interview happened. He was struck by the van in 1999. So you are writing as if it's um, 2001. God damn it. Why? I would link it to the first Facebook Live viral video when BuzzFeed wrapped rubber bands around a watermelon until it exploded. Hmm. And then I would link that to Gallagher, who smashed watermelons, uh-huh. and who was sued um, for, I think he was sued for fraud because he's, his brother went on tour as him and pretended mm. to be him, doing yes. the Gallagher character, but it wasn't him, it was Gallagher's yes. brother. Yes. And then the smashing of... You know, Stephen King's 2001 is what never was, which he wanted to smash the car. And it's just, um, what is like, I would do kind of like a meditation on popular smashings and the role of revenge (laughs) and whether um, Gallagher's uh, watermelon thing was something about like economic anxiety Mm -hmm. or something like that because of the type of people who liked it. Yeah, Gallagher is also notoriously racist, so... Yeah, well, then I would link it to BuzzFeed and then how that really spurred the pivot. This is if I could write it in, Mm -hmm. like, 2016, which is when the BuzzFeed thing happened because Facebook Live um, really uh, began the pivot to video and everyone was just watching this watermelon waiting for it to explode and it's like I guess Stephen King was hit by the car and it's like what is the role of individual trauma and uh, you know his personal perseverance Mm -hmm. and then linking it to an overwhelming you know the pivot to video is a systemic failure Mm. that led to like people's Mm -hmm. what Am I making sense? Am I am I on a thing? To hurt your life when you were laid off from MTV. Personally, yeah. <laughs> so you could Dear well, Viacom. Is, I could see <laughs> an open letter uh. to Viacom. It could this is interesting though because it could um, it could sort of repopulate across multiple verticals. You know, like this article oh, originally yeah. appeared on Motherboard, Motherboard. Um, because of the viral video video angle. Uh, but then later it could be sort of like a personal essay that could appear somewhere else yeah. um, about your own experience. And then perhaps... I'm so sorry to everyone per- listening Perhaps to this. Munchies could also post <gasps> it because of the watermelon. Yeah. yeah, if you could tie in another food Oh, kind of wait. Thing. Also, or, there's that picnic thing where people get a watermelon, they slice it in half, and then they dump a whole bottle of vodka in it and get sure. wasted. Yeah. And Stephen King has made references to how he like quit drinking or some shit mm-hmm. and i would i'd probably there's probably something in there too yeah is this watermelon emblematic of king's struggle with yeah. substance abuse mm-hmm. interesting cujo and how he doesn't remember writing cujo because he was doing so much coke <laughs> well that's a bad book so that makes sense <laughs> humor humor and this is alex tatarski this <coughs> this this is Alex Tatarski, and you're listening to Humor and the Abject. Abject. Humor. Humor. This is. This is. This is Alex Tatarski, 
and you're listening to Humor and the Abject. This, this is, <coughs> this, hi there, this, this is Alex Tatarski and you're listening to Humor and the Abject. It's me, Jimmy John. My buddy Kevin Harvard called me out for the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. I accept, and I hope it brings you good luck this weekend in Michigan. I now take my pills. Guy Fieri, Drew Brees, and Clint Boyer. Peace! Okay, uh, moving on. Netflix walks back its announcement that it would split into two different companies, uh, streaming online via Netflix, and then Mailer DVDs as Quickster, spelled Q-W-I-K-S-T-E-R. The company uh, ultimately decides to maintain a single brand identity. So they've kind of walked back this announcement, and a new press release has gone out saying, hey, we're just going to be Netflix. We're sorry about Quickster. Um, What year is this? This is uh, 2011. We need an article soon. Drill, I guess, was treating... Uh, Drill. <laughs> need an article soon. Drills. I'm trying to remove it, <laughs> and then it's Netflix. I'm trying to remove it. Mm-hmm. It's just um, sort of like a side by like you do the first comparison, provided that the Drill account is active in 2011. You do I, the must... first side by side comparison between Netflix's walking yeah. back a screen <laughs> capture of the press release next to the Drill tweet. Okay, last one. Uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. So Vice is writing about the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Not the movie. Just as the no, event that the, happened. The event in 1882. 1882. In St. Um, Joseph, Missouri. 1882. It might be worth noting, too, that Jesse James um, is sort of like one of the original edgelords. In that he's celebrated as kind of a counterculture hero, uh, being a bandit and outlaw, but uh, was primarily uh, appreciated by people in support of the Confederacy and was uh, a, a notoriously, like, I believe, anti abolitionist, uh, very much a sort of like a proto edgelord. So, and I'm writing this mm-hmm. as if. So I have to meet a five o'clock deadline. You have to cover for the twenty nineteen. Assa- well, here's Vice, some addition. If here's it existed in eighteen eighty two, but here's a so this here's, is a great game. Here's some additional contextual information. Um, <laughs> the the assassination happened uh, on on a morning when uh, Jesse James and two other people from his gang, the brothers uh, Charlie Ford and Robert Ford were meant to commit a robbery in Platte City, Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. That morning, though. Uh, Unbeknownst to James, uh, Robert Ford had been conspiring with then-Missouri Governor Thomas T. Crittenden to try to bring in Jesse James. Uh, And after breakfast, Robert Ford shot Jesse James in the back of the head. Oh, Um, okay. Then Bob Ford, along with his brother Charlie, uh, were tried and convicted, actually, of the murder of Jesse James, sentenced to death by hanging, and pardoned by the governor Whoa. all within a single day a real sort of oh my god a type of an interesting an interesting spin on a kangaroo court wow i've got to watch the movie um so you so, have a lot of angles here 
Yeah, so thank you for explaining that. The death I of didn't... an anti-hero, uh, this sort of like collusion with the governor to have him killed, even though he was a private civilian, this pardoning of these two brothers, cowardice. I would say, all right, my hot take is, is breakfast worth it? How come How come breakfast, it, it's been reported to be the most important meal of the day, but look what happened to this guy who ate breakfast. Yeah, Jesse James. Furthermore, yeah, and everyone always seems to get real sleepy the after having a big breakfast. The case against brunch with your friends. Yes. Yes. Yeah, or it could also be like, worst brunch ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fake friends. I was, sh- yeah. Fake friends at brunch. The case against fake Isn't friends. Isn't that the worst? I bet you're. St- it happened to me. I was literally murdered <laughs> by the ghost of Jesse James. By the ghost of Jesse James for sitting in his seat mm-hmm. when I don't know. Well, Darcy, thank you for playing better take Thanks. than never. You've done a I great job game. here. Um, thank you. Anybody who's listening who has an editorial position, I know that um, Darcy would be available uh, to talk rates. Um, Thank you. Talk about benefits. Thank you. Shout out everyone I'm currently interviewing with for social media. Yeah, if anybody positions. would like to, if anybody'd like to hear some novel angles on kind of things from the past, you know, and part of the reason I wanted to be sensitive to um, your kind of job search is we're covering these past items because this creates a situation where no one can take your take and not hire you, and then True. do, and then you know, put that out into the world and, and profit yeah. off of your. Your intellectual labor. I I just did a uh, take home test for social media, whatever, where I was writing tweets for news that happened two months ago. Hmm. Oh, old news. Old news. You literally news. just did this when I just made you do. You had to do it for a job. I but and you know <laughs> the thing is, it was a Sunday night. Was it a Sunday? I think it was a Sunday night. Mm. And it it was a few hours. And afterward, I was like, where where is my life? <laughs> at where i enjoyed doing this and i was like it's like a crossword puzzle that's and true and then i had another job interview and i was like i just love doing it it's like a crossword puzzle nice and you know nice sometimes it's february and nothing's really going on you haven't been invited to china chalet in a while you don't you just sit home with your dog. Right. And you it's don't have not, that much going on. It's not that you would go to China Chalet, but it's nice to be asked. It's You want to be asked, but you don't want to go. Well, Darcy, thank you for coming back after 99 long episodes Whoa, of absence. Dude, well, no, I guess you've been on... Thank you for having me. You've been on a bunch of them. But <sighs> this is really special. I want to say thank you to you for being here for the ride. And thank you to everyone listening for, for getting through 100 episodes. It's very very strange i don't really remember doing them but it means a lot to me so it's crazy how yeah i remember the first episode it seems like so long ago it Um, was it was almost two years ago (laughs) jeez yeah i really like this podcast thanks for being so supportive and welcoming of me oh thank you darcy and to everyone out there thank you again we'll catch you next week all right, before we get it started, this is Daniel J. Glendinning from way back, episode 19. Gotta say congrats to Humor and the Abject for 100 episodes. All right now, crucial thanks out to the Happold, Noel, and Wilson families for their patience and support. We love y'all. To all the players who made this possible, thank you very much. Yeah, the check's in the mail. To Kelly Vargas for stepping in there and making it happen. To LBP, 
world-famous Juice Rose, the field, good, field marshal Goodman, and the man called Floyd Eye. Thanks out to Bad Religion, the descendants George Hurley, and Mike Watts. All those watts, but only when they hang out. The Toby Dog, the Luke Dog, to Mad Dog, James Brown, the BSM, to Miles Davis, to Ken, the all-night rocker. Southside Pat and Catherine, what's up, dude? And all right, now best wishes out to Eno and Shelly. And a baby on the way. Hey, up to Jim Hendrix, to Beer, to Sonic Lizard, to Ray Man. How about Bob Marley, Bob Dog, to Bob Marley? To all those pumpkin sluts. Eat them out, Tom, for letting us practice. Crass, chillin' and partying all night. Peanut, Fugazi, Rhino 59. Week one, the last rise, Naomi's hair. How about the butthole surfers of Frank Zappa? A and B, Big Drill Car, Bert Zinka and all the ziggins around the world. To Jack the Third, to Julia Parker. Hey Jeff the King, where's my mic stands? Martini with a 40 ounce in hand. To Jay Dawes and his son Christian. Gotta say thank you to Scum. Hard as smoke and cheap as wood. To Scum Matt and the band. How about HR for enough inspiration, enough respect? Hey, Nick Sweet, Joanne, and Carolyn. Hey, I gotta say what's up to fucking Snow and Bam Bam and all these side stoners. St. Tucko, Sean Stern, Kenji Easley Project, Steve Zapata, and Richard Greco, and everyone down at Bogart. Thanks a million. Gotta say what's up and thank you to Dave Shea and Greg A. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Yeah, your mom called and said you guys should take a nap. Sacramento, BMT, and Dan Inglovitz out in Arcata. Gotta say thank you to Dice Fade, Imagining Yellow Suns, and everyone out in his dead. Kevin Swenson, Rhea, Old New Train, and Winster. How could I not thank um, Mark Randu, One Live Crew, and all the Lakeland Posse, Mr. Kapoo, and the Antioch Posse, especially the Johnson family. What's up, Miss J? Say, what's up to Dirty Al? Jennifer Henry and Kelly, too, out in San Francisco. Lisa Johnson in Austin. Tonto, Jimmy Carl Black. Arcado Kareeb in Austin. Thanks a lot, Lee, for getting us in out of the heat. Jimmy's in New Orleans. Hardback in Gainesville, Florida. Mark Goodnight for a psychopath. All right, we stayed at this guy's house, and when they had them murders back in, uh, like, 89, a guy and a girl got hacked up in his pad, and we stayed there, but, you know, it was great. Jack Tripper, even though he don't know a goddamn thing about Orlando. To Ingrid and Arcata, Rusty, Bermuda Pete and Sarah, Shannon Boyle, to the Space Fish. Sorry guys, maybe next time. And KOTB in Costa Mesa. The OK Hotel in Seattle. To Joel for getting us that shit at Wave. We need that man, thanks bro. To Ninja Man, Tam, Darby Crash, D Boom, Alex Zanager. Come visit, goddammit. Grant, Craig Casey, Dave Hornbloom, Beth Larson, to everyone at the Church of Rock and Roll. We gotta say, what's up to Corey and her best friend Georgie, the Meat Puppets, Tar Babies, Kate and Frank out at Zed, Scott down at Ten Ton, everyone down there at Deja, thanks. AMJ Enterprises, Molly Cantrell, Courtney Beamon, the Mecca Parks and Recreation Department, Buck 29 Paul. Hey Lisa G, what up punk? To Kimmy for Scarlet Inspirations. To Busface, to Sublime and the Mentors. Gotta say thank you to the entire hip-hop community, especially the man they call Just Ice, 
Chris Parker, more commonly known as KRS One for enough inspiration. Nice Queen Latifah, Shelly Thunder, the motherfucking trigger, have a ghetto buzz, bubble enemy number one. NWA and the man they call Ice Cube and the goddamn Winchmog. Don't let me forget Cypress Hill and the whole selfie posse. These guys are in the house. Stop putting him, motherfucking beast, G and G, a long-haired sound man dude, Prince Jimmy and the scientist. Lauren, any commodes, center saw, super cat, major mackle, David Tiger. Major worries, half-point, Daddy Blizzard and everyone on the Red Man Superpower. Well, Shinehead and Shaba, the Beastie Boys, Maggie and Jules and the Arlington crew. Franco Tires on Anaheim and Orange. Always the lowest prices. And you, peace and unity. We're out for now. I'll see ya.